everyone. I know it's a pretty uh, vast audience I'm trying to reach tonight. I'll make sure everyone can hear okay. I'm glad that you're uh, here with us. It's been a, uh, a good good series. We've, uh, l- let's see, we've, we've done Saturday Night Church now. This is our fourth week, yeah? And so uh, Andrea led off, and then we uh, followed with Justin and Cliff, and all three of them, in my opinion, did uh, just a phenomenal job. We've been doing a series on uh, the prophetic, prophetic ministry, uh, the prophetic gifts, uh, and how to, you know, the, the relevance of, of that gift today and, and the importance of it and uh, why we should press into it. And again, I just think uh, those three have done a really good job. If you haven't caught any of those messages, uh, if this is like your, you know, your first night or maybe you caught one or two of those, they are on the, online on our website in the audio archive, so I want to do a commercial for that. So uh, get on there and check those out. So it's, it's been really uh, really good, and I, I'm curious, how many of you have been with us on Saturday night every every night so far? Okay, a couple of you? All right, Hannah doesn't count. She has to be here. We pay her to be here. <laughs> uh, okay, so a couple of you. Well, uh, we're going to, I think, conclude the series next week. P-Ray is going to uh, bring a message uh, that's that's in the same series. So those of you that raise your hand, if you come back next week and you have perfect attendance for the series, Adam's got a prize for you. Is that right? You have a prize? Okay. <laughs> Lifetime supply of carrot juice from Sunshine Natural? Better than that? Okay. All right. Okay, maybe not. But, uh, no, we, we appreciate you guys. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Deal? All right. Uh, okay. Well, again, everyone's done, a, I think, an, an amazing job uh, setting setting the table and, and hopefully... Uh, Hopefully, if you've caught any of these uh, messages, you've been encouraged uh, to press into the into the prophetic. Um, what I feel like maybe is the next step then is to to ask ourselves what is you know keeping us then from from the application. You know, Saturday night we feel like is uh, largely uh, devoted to to lab. You know, to taking you know, the, the teaching that we're receiving and, and actually figuring out, okay, got some good teaching, what are we going to do? And so we've, uh, we've been trying to, to do that a little bit. And so I'm actually going to have to exercise a little discipline because I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the word that I have to share, but I'm even maybe a little more excited about getting to the lab uh, when we get through tonight. So I hope, hopefully I'm not going to rush uh, too much because I do, I do want to get this word out, but I'm, I'm looking forward very much to taking some time uh, when we're done tonight, to actually practice some things. And so I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. You can be uh, thinking about that, that we're going we're gonna to practice some things tonight. And uh, really, the heart of my message, uh, like I just mentioned, is what's keeping us. All right, so if this is, uh, if this prophetic, you know, dialogue, if this teaching is new to you, brand spanking new to you, or fairly new to you, what is holding you back from starting what's holding you back from launching into the into the prophetic ministry and and actually giving it a a shot maybe some of you are in a in a different place maybe you've been practicing uh but you you know in your heart you'd like to see you know greater anointing and and greater uh you go into into greater levels of this particular ministry and so it's really kind of the same question what's keeping you from that what are the obstacles that are 
keeping us back from a, from a really effective uh, from a real effective presence of the of the prophetic ministry in, in our lives. So we're going to maybe hit on just a few things tonight um, that I think some of these things are probably going to hit all of us. Uh, maybe not all of these things will hit all of us, but I think some of these things will probably hit uh, everyone in the room. Most of these things, I can tell you, at one point or another have hit me personally, and that's I guess that's why I was able to, you know, while they were on my heart and mind to, to share, because I've experienced most of uh, these challenges. All right. So, uh, you know, first of all, again, if, if you haven't been with us, I, I don't want to backtrack too much, but when we're talking about prophetic ministry, uh, and you, you can look, at, especially in Corinthians, uh, you know, chapters 12, 13, 14, and, and around in there, and you can, and, uh, you can do uh, some, some study on that. And again, you can go back and listen to archives. But at its core, what we're talking about is the, the process of listening to the Lord, all right? Listening to the Lord and sharing, you know, that which you've, which you've heard. That's really at the core. And we can, you know, there's some other uh, more specific things that we could say. But at, at its essence, that's what we're, we're talking about. And usually, actually most of, most of the time, if not all the time, it's, it's for the purpose of uh, edifying or encouraging uh, people. All right? So listening to the Lord, sharing what you hear uh, for the purpose of edifying or, or, or encouraging all right, so that, that's what we're talking about. So if, if you're brand new to this, that's uh, what we're talking about. We're talking about prophetic ministry and, and uh, prophecy and, and things like that in the, in the Word, in the Bible. All right, so uh, l- let me say a couple things. Most of the obstacles tend to revolve around doubts that we have, okay? Uh, and, and before I get into spe- the specific types of doubts, let me clarify something. I'm not saying that it's necessarily that bad to have doubt. I'm not saying that we should strive to be at a place where we have a total absence of doubt. All right? Doubt sometimes can actually be a relatively good thing. I know for me personally uh, that I have uh, seen some of the largest leaps forward in my walk with the Lord when I've actually wrestled through my doubt, when I've, you know, kind kind of embraced it and, and have been able in you know in in faith to act in spite of my doubt okay and and i've seen you know a growth in those in those periods uh so i'm not saying you know that that you're not going to be able to to prophesy and walk in these giftings as long as you have doubt i'm not actually saying that uh what we want to ask ourselves and examine a little bit is do we have the kind of doubt the, the extreme doubt that actually paralyzes us, that keeps us from actually acting and moving forward. Because I think there's levels of doubt. I think there's a kind of doubt where you, where you think, you know, I'm not sure about this. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. I don't know what he's doing. I'm not sure what this means, but, you know, I'm, I'm pressing in. I'm pressing forward. And I actually think that that you know, can, can actually lead into some fertile ground, you know, that the Lord can, can uh, mature you and grow you, even though you're wrestling with some, some doubt and some things. Well, we, when, I, when I'm talking about doubt tonight, and the things that we need to be concerned about is the kind of doubt that actually restricts us to the point to where we can't even take those steps. All right? Are you with me so far? Cool. Uh, I think uh, there's a, a verse that you know kind of reveals the Lord's heart a little bit about that. Uh, Philippians 2.12, uh, you, know, you know, Paul saying, 
uh, and he's talking about salvation. He, he's saying, work, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I, and I think kind of the heart of that statement is that there's, there's value in the process, okay? That um, we don't have to wait to be effective. You know, we don't have to wait till we have everything completely figured out and have it all together before the Lord can use us and before we can mature and before we can, uh, can be uh, you know, used by the Lord. So, All right, so... Doubt. What kind of doubts, then, uh, are keeping us from moving in the prophetic? Well, I think one major area is that we, we still have a tendency, uh, maybe a lot of us, if not all of us, have a tendency to doubt God's nature and his, his desire or his willingness to actually speak. Okay? And, again, we've had some really good teaching. Andrea led off with that very thing uh, a few weeks ago, talking about how much it was God's na- is God's nature uh, to speak to us. And so that's something uh, that we're, we should maybe do a little evaluation and, and see if there's a disconnect. Because I imagine most of us in this room can probably, you know, in our minds agree, God is good. And I hear the teaching and I understand, you know, that, that it's God's nature to speak. Uh, it may be good for us to actually do some evaluation and see if there's a disconnect between our hearts and our minds. I know sometimes that's the case for me. I know what the answer is. I know the Sunday school answers, but if I, you know, see the, the fruit of my life sometimes, I can see that, you know, that what's, what's actually in my heart and what's in my mind aren't always necessarily connected. And so it may not be a bad thing for us to do a little evaluation and say, okay, have I really taken hold of the goodness of God's nature? Have I really, really taken hold of the fact that God actually wants to speak? that he genuinely wants to speak to me. Uh, and so those are some questions that, that I think would be good for us to, uh, to ask about. Uh, in John 6, 44 through 45, uh, you, you see that no one even really comes into a relationship with the Lord if he hasn't drawn you. He hasn't called you. Right? What I... What we can take from that tonight and in this context of prophetic is if you have a relationship with the Lord, God has already spoken to you at least once, right? You can't come to the Lord unless he's, you know, come on. You can't come to the Lord unless, that, unless that's actually happened, unless he's called you or, or, or uh, if he's drawn you into him. So just think... Let's just think about this kind of logically for a second. Think of your friendships. Think of the beginning stages of those friendships. How many of you started communicating with that person, entered into a relationship, and then stopped communicating with them? Does that make any sense? Right? No. Why would the Lord call to you, speak to you, and then go silent? It's his nature to speak. I mean, he's drawing us into a personal relationship. Of course, communication is going to be paramount in developing that relationship. And so, again, we need to really grasp hold of the fact that communication, hearing from the Lord, speaking to the Lord, dialoguing with the Lord is huge, right? Um, How did the Lord, uh, you know, think about in creation, in in, in Genesis, all right? How did the Lord create any of the things that, that we see he created? 
He spoke, right? Do we do we get any imagery of the Lord getting out the hammers and the nails and the right? Putting the little pieces together. How did he do it? From the very beginning, God has been speaking. Why would we think that he would go silent? Right? It's his nature. It's his very nature to speak. It's how he creates. It's how he sustains. It's how he calls us to him. And it's how he nurtures, nurtures us. And it's how he uses us. He speaks to us. Very important that, that, uh, that we take hold of this and understand that uh, that's actually, truly is God's, God's nature. All right. With me? Okay. All right, so maybe we can grab a hold of that. All right, fine. It's God's nature to speak, but sometimes it doesn't feel like he listens very well. <laughs> Anybody feel like that ever? Is God actually listening? Is he answering? Because, uh, you know, we, we know that we're talking, right? We know that we're speaking to the Lord. Is he listening? Is he, is he actually uh, answering? And, and so I want to offer you a couple things to think about. Uh, we have a... Uh, a home group that meets here, a community group that meets here on uh, 6.30 on Wednesdays. There's my commercial. Uh, Justin, this past Wednesday, uh, had a really, really neat word. And uh, I'm going to put it in this context, Justin, with your permission. Any copyright infringement or anything I need to worry about? All right. A little bit. All right. We'll, we'll settle up later. Uh, a lot of times the answers that the Lord gives us are actually in uh, seed form. Okay, and uh, one one metaphor that we can look one uh, we can look one parable is the, about the talents. Uh, if you want to, if you want the reference, it's in Matthew twenty five. Okay, uh, but there's you know these workers, and they were all giving uh, they were all given uh, different levels of uh, uh, of talents. All right, we're talking about you know money, and they all did different things with them. Some invested them and grew their investments to varying levels. Uh, and then there was one that didn't do anything, just buried it. He was afraid he'd mess up or lose it or whatever. And so the, the moral of the story, the master came back, and you know the people that had taken it and taken risk and, and had grown it, uh, you know the level that they had grown, the investment that, that they were given to, to take care of, they got you know blessing you know that you know exponentially. All right, the more they grew what they were given, the more blessing they got, etc. And then the person, of course, that didn't do anything with the talent that he had been given, well, he got in a little bit of trouble, all right? So you can, you can go back and look at the story. I, I want to hit the point, though, is that sometimes, you know, when we're asking the Lord for, you know, for breakthrough or anointing or this or that, sometimes the Lord answers, uh, but he answers in, you know, in, in seed form. And we are, we're giving an opportunity, an opportunity to be faithful with what the Lord gives us and then we see increase. You know, we're faithful with that, and then we get increase. We're faithful with that, and then we get increase. And I think that's a pretty important concept because, you know, sometimes we do ask the Lord for this. And again, the context we're talking about tonight is prophetic ministry, so let's talk about that. You know, Lord, I would love to, to move in this gift. I would love to move in the prophetic ministry. I want to get really specific words and, and uh, you know, see people radically changed. And so maybe sometimes we have this expectation that that's just going to, that's going to happen. And 
You know, maybe sometimes it happens like that, but I think more often than that, that what's going to happen is the Lord's going to give us a seed. He's going to give us so much. And as we're faithful with that, then we'll see increase. Does that make sense? So a lot of times, you know, when we're asking the Lord, you know, we're not sure if the Lord's answering, you know, let's, let's think, well, what has he given me to be faithful with? And maybe he's giving you more, more than, than, than what we actually realize. Maybe he has, maybe he has answered uh, your prayers. Maybe he ha- has given to you. Maybe it wasn't exactly what you were looking for. But, you know, evaluate. What has the Lord given me? How can I be faithful with that which he has been given to, which he has given to me? Cool? Awesome. Uh, and let me be let me be clear when I'm talking uh, about being faithful with with what He gives us. This isn't a matter of earning God's approval. This isn't a situation where we have to earn His approval. It isn't a matter where we have to earn His love or His affection. All right, what we're talking about is being faithful with what He gives us, so we can earn really more anointing to move in the kingdom. All right, we do not have to earn His love. We do not have to earn His approval. Okay, so let me draw. Let me draw that distinction there because I don't want to miscommunicate that. I don't want anybody, you know, leaving tonight thinking, you know, I haven't been faithful necessarily with what God's given me, so he's mad at me, he's disapproves of me or whatever. No, I'm not talking about the, the Lord's love or his affection. We're talking about ministry, okay? We're talking about anointing. If you want to see an increase in your anointing and an increase in your ministry, then we need to be faithful with what he's given us. And then we can see uh, how things uh, grow and increase from there. All right, so the Lord's speaking. Sometimes I'm not sure if he answers. What about, the, what about some of our past disappointments? Those can, those can be obstacles too. You know, when, when we uh, struggle with, you know, receiving that, you know, the Lord is good and, and that he speaks and, and all these things. Sometimes the thing that's tripping us up is thinking of some of our past disappointments Maybe things that we've asked the Lord for uh, that, that didn't happen, okay? Uh, or at least didn't happen maybe the, the way that we would ho- had hoped that they would happen. And so sometimes we do have to deal with some of that. And, and honestly, you know, I, I don't know why the kingdom doesn't always break in when we ask it to. I mean, who, who doesn't have an example of something that they've prayed for and, and the kingdom didn't break in? I think everyone probably has, you know, a, a story that, that we could all share some, some disappointments, right? Is that safe to say? Yeah. We've all had some disappointments. And so that can lead us to a place where we uh, really struggle with, is, is God really for me? You know, is he, is he really speaking? Is he really, uh, you know, listening, et cetera? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why the kingdom doesn't break in and, but I do have some thoughts. Uh, you, you hear this a lot of time here at the Vineyard. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time about it, but there's a phrase that we, you'll hear called uh, the already, not yet, okay? Again, I don't want to spend a, a whole lot of time on it. Uh, basically, we're living in this tension. You know, Jesus came. He initiated the, the kingdom coming, all right? Um, and then there's going to be a time at the end of all things where, you know, Jesus comes and no more, no more sin, no more sickness, Everything's perfect. Everything's, you know, 
Great, but we're living in between those two times. And even in the New Testament, you can see the kingdom of God described as a few different things. The kingdom of uh, heaven is here, it's near, it's at hand, it's not yet, it is to come, which on the surface may seem a little contradictory, but yet all those things are actually very true. Because Jesus initiated the coming of the kingdom. He even later says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. So we're actually in this, in this period of history where we're partnering with the Lord and we're advancing the kingdom. And so the answer can be kind of simple. You know, when the, when the kingdom of heaven breaks in and we see someone healed, you, you hear that you ask the Lord to, for a prophetic word for somebody and you get this dynamite specific word that rocks their world. And, you know, these supernatural things happen. The reason those things happen is because the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus initiated. It's coming. It's breaking in. Sometimes people get sick. Sometimes people die. Sometimes, you know, we miss the mark. It's because the kingdom's not yet. It's not here in its fullness yet. Right? So we do live in that tension. So that's part of the explanation. Uh, that, you know, why, why don't... You know, why doesn't the kingdom of heaven always uh, break in? But So I don't always know exactly what the answer is, you know, how, you know, how it works, you know, how, how God chooses, you know, to, to break in here and doesn't break in here. But what I have settled on is, is that regardless of, of what the end result is, that we can take some security in knowing what the Lord's heart is. And I think we can see what the Lord's heart is by looking at creation. Let's think about creation, because really creation is really the only piece of human history that we can see the world as God wants it. That's, that's the only part of human history where we aren't dealing with the repercussions of, of man's sin and the fact that we're in a fallen world. You know, God's trying to reconcile this world, right? Sent Jesus, he's, he's, you know, he gave us his Holy Spirit. He's certainly working to reconcile those things. But if we want to picture... Of, of the way God would have it? Look at creation. Are people discouraged? Did you see any discouragement before sin came? Are people, were they lonely? No. God gave Adam Eve because he didn't want man to be lonely. Was there sickness? Was there death? No, what's God's heart? Well, God's heart is not for illness. It's not for death. It's not for loneliness. It's not for discouragement or any of these other things. That's not the Lord's heart. Uh, personal example. I've, you know, some of you know that I, I don't, I'm completely blind in my left eye. And I've had many people pray and ask the Lord to, to heal my left eye. And so on the one hand, I could say, well, I'm 35. God must want me to, you know, he must want me to be blind in my left eye. But I actually don't think that's right. I don't think that's the Lord's heart. I don't know exactly, you know, why the kingdom hasn't broken in yet. I think it's entirely possible that that will happen one day. Right? But what I can know is that that's not the Lord's heart. God didn't design Adam and Eve with one eye apiece. (laughs) Right? I don't think. I guess it doesn't specifically say they had two eyes. But I'm assuming. I'm assuming they had two eyes. So one thing that we can take, I think, uh, some comfort in knowing is that that God's heart is really actually for us. If we're sick, that doesn't please the Lord's heart. 
if we're discouraged, if we're hurting, you know, any of these things, that, that's not God's heart. And so we can, you know, ask the Lord with, you know, confidence and, and continue to invite the kingdom to break in. And we can always have the hope that that's going to happen because that's the Lord's heart. I don't know why the kingdom doesn't always break in, but I do know that God's heart is for you. God is good. And if everything was the way he wanted, then we wouldn't be, you know, having to worry about sickness and illness and hurt and heartache and those things because that's not what God's heart is for. Cool? All right. Uh, but let me give you a little, a little piece of, of good news concerning that, again, to bring it back into the context of what we're talking about tonight with prophetic ministry. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of things that I've asked for that, you know, that didn't happen. But I, I'm having a hard time thinking of any time where I asked the Lord to give me a prophetic word for somebody that I didn't get something. Maybe it wasn't always, you know, again, crazy, you know, specific, life-changing. But I think that it is such God's nature to speak and to encourage that I, I, just, I don't know many people that have, that have asked the Lord for words that didn't get something. Now, sometimes we talk ourselves out of delivering words, you know, that, and we'll, we'll talk about some of that later, but... But, I mean, some of you around the room, I mean, Adam, Justin, can, can you think of a time where you didn't get something? It's rare, right? So if we're putting in this context of, a, of the prophetic, um, again, the Lord's heart really is to speak. And if you ask the Lord to speak to you, especially for the purpose of encouraging somebody else, chances are you're going to hear something. Okay? We need to train ourselves of course, to, to, to listen and to hear and, and how to do that. But the good news is, it's such God's nature to speak and it's such His nature to encourage uh, that that's going to be a prayer that's probably going to be answered almost every time. All right? You awake? <laughs> All right, cool. Um, Debated on, on, on going here. I think I want to go here, though, because I, I think it illustrates, I think it can illustrate how important it is uh, for us to grasp the goodness uh, of, the, of the Lord. And because sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't think we realize the, the depth of the disconnect between our hearts and our minds when it comes to the goodness uh, of the Lord. And so I did this for my, I asked myself some of these questions, and when I was really honest with myself, it, it was actually a little, little surprising. But I want you to think about something. Think about, you know, the manner in which you, um, you know, minister to people or have ministered uh, to people, reached out to people in the name of the Lord. So think about some of these encounters, some of these experiences, how you've gone about those ministry opportunities. And let's change the context just a little bit. What if... There was no threat of hell. What if there were no threat of hell? Now, let's think about some of our ministry experiences, some of the, the, the ways that we've you know, tried to reach out to people, and in, in the way we even live our lives, the way we relate to the Lord. How much would that change the way that we've gone about reaching out to people? And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, I, prom I promise. 
where I'm going is, is that I, I, I feel like especially maybe in, in, our, um, in our culture, okay, regionally in this part of the country, that so much of our experience with the Lord has been driven by fear and focus on what's going to come after. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's certainly, you know, a place, you know, th- those are real concerns. I'm not saying it's not important to be concerned about where people spend eternity. Of course, I'm not saying that. But my point is that our foundation, the foundation of our experience of the Lord, I think really needs to be His goodness. And not, I'm afraid of what's going to happen when I die. And so if that's our foundation, if our foundation, the foundation of our experience with the Lord is, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me when I die, then that's going to work its way out into how we minister to other people. And I think this, you know, I think Adam did a fantastic job talking about mercy and, and judgment. It's God's nature to be merciful. It's his nature. And so that needs, you know, again, it's very similar. It, it, that needs to be the foundation because whatever your foundation is, that's, that's their trajectory. You know, that's, that's the way your ministry is going to go. So if on the foundational level it's about fear, then that's going to affect the direction, you know, uh, really of, of my life. And it's going to influence so many different areas of my interaction with the Lord, my interaction with other people, right? And let me be uh, you know specific on how this can can affect the way that we we minister to people um, if we're ministering out of that place you know with the uh, you know through that that place of, of fear uh, for one people you know it's a very likely that the person you're trying to reach will will feel manipulated and so there's not going to be really any success there. But what's almost as dangerous is that if you are successful, that using fear, that you're going to bring people you know, into you know, some kind of a relationship with the Lord, but their relationship with the Lord is going to be founded on fear themselves. And so we've just reproduced our fear in someone else. I've also, I also started thinking about this too. Um, thinking back on some of my own ministry <laughs> experiences. Has anyone ever tried to talk someone into realizing that they're actually miserable even though they don't think they're miserable? Has anyone ever done that? You know, the truth is that sometimes ignorance really is, can be, can be bliss. You know, there actually are people in the world who don't know the Lord they don't have you know, any real theological concept of hell. Maybe they've heard of it, but they just don't believe it. So they're not worried about the afterlife. Got a good job. They got a family. They're getting along with life pretty well. They're actually happy. And I've found myself in interactions with them in the past, in a way, trying to convince them, oh, you know, you're actually miserable. You need Jesus. They're not miserable. And so, because my foundation was based on something else, I actually have found myself in positions where I actually didn't have much to offer them. But, if the foundation of my experience with the Lord is based on His goodness, then you always have something to offer somebody. That no matter how pleasant their life may be, there's something better for them. 
And if your experience with the Lord is based on his goodness, you've got something to offer anyone. And again, context tonight, we're talking about prophetic ministry. Are we trying to minister out of a place of fear? Are we going to serve people out of a place based on the fact that we know and we believe God is good? Very important that we reconnect our hearts and our minds in this. We know in our head that God is good, but we need to, you know, whatever we need to do, open our hearts up, you know, get, you know, face down before the Lord and just, you know, Lord, show me your goodness. Help me receive it. Connect my heart and my mind. I know that you're good, but I want to know that you're good. So God, help us. Yeah. All right, so those can be obstacles to, to moving in the prophetic, you know, doubting, you know, God's nature, his desire to speak. Uh, what I, I'd say none of us are immune to is also doubting ourselves. There's about a million different places we could go with this. So there, there's a few things that, uh, that I want to hit, though. Um, well, one thing we tend to doubt is just our own, uh, our own understanding, okay? And again, it, you know, if you're like me, um, I've had to cross some intellectual hurdles before I could really walk in the prophetic. For one, just the semantics, the, the verbiage, prophetic, prophecy. Does anyone remember Miss Cleo and the Psychic Friends Network? Yeah? Anybody? Does anybody else, when you hear prophecy, think of, you know, guys in pointy hats and, you know, weird, weird stuff? That was my experience when I first started hearing. Even though, you know, pointy hats, you know, wizards, that's where I was going. Sorry. Sorry. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that was my experience. Uh, Even though, you know, I grew up in the church and, you know, I'd read... You know, Corinthians, I don't know, hundreds of times or whatever, and had seen the words, had never really registered, never had really encountered much teaching on prophetic. So when, you know, I came here and actually started hearing some teaching on it, and more than that, seeing it enacted, um, I had some hurdles to, to cross because, you know, the, the, the word is weird. It has, you know, these other connotations and, and all these other things. So uh, there are some things that, that we need to maybe on the intellectual level even, get over a little bit. Uh, one thing that I found I had to experience, and this is this mainly uh, is for those of you that this is sort of a new thing. Uh, if prophetic ministry is new to you, uh, you may be experiencing something that I experienced, which is uh, I found myself at a place where I had to decide, am I, am I going to buy into this? And my hesitation, I, I didn't verbalize this. I don't even think I understood this until, you know, maybe much later, what was actually the internal conflict that was going on. But I think what was happening is that there was a part of me that felt like receiving this as truth in some way invalidated my experience with the Lord up to that point. Like it devalued it. Like this part of my life, you know, was wrong and now this is right. And so I had sort of an internal struggle happening there. Um, because it was something that was so new and, and made me feel like, well, you know, this is, you know, these people, you know, are treating this like something that's so important and I've never even really heard of it. So what does that actually say about my previous experience? Now, I, I, I don't want to say that, you know, there, you know, probably all of us at some point, sometime, yeah, we've probably encountered or received some teaching that wasn't perfect. It was maybe, you know, inaccurate or incorrect or whatever. 
But let me, let me speak some truth to you that hearing something new about the Lord, experiencing something new about the Lord, does not necessarily invalidate anything that you've experienced in the Lord in the past. I think that if I ever get to a place in my walk with the Lord where I feel like that I've learned everything there is to learn about the Lord or experienced everything there is experienced about the Lord, that is a very dangerous place to be. You know, the, there, we should spend our lives uncovering layer after layer of all these wonderful mysteries of the Lord. We should never get to the, you know, to, to the bottom of the Lord. If we ever get to the place where we feel like we've experienced everything there is to the Lord, let me tell you, then that's, that's a dangerous place. You're setting yourself up to, for a stagnant existence. And you're going to miss out. Receiving something new about the Lord does not invalidate your previous experience with the Lord. It's just something new. And it's good to experience new things in the Lord. So that was one hurdle that I had to, to overcome was acknowledging, you know, I don't have to leave behind the inheritance of my, my previous experience with the Lord. You know, there were so many things, valuable things, that I could take from that experience and, you know, let's bring on the new stuff. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with this, but I, I think it's significant because uh, you know, the, there are a, little peop- a, a lot of people that I think uh, gravitate towards this, uh, this mentality. Um, the, the, there are some that, you know, they look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, I think, that, that talks about, you know, prophecy and, and tongues and some other things that, that they'll, they'll pass away when the perfection comes. And so some look at that passage and they, and they see... Okay, perfection, you know, Jesus, and we have the word, you know, the perfect, perfection has come. We don't need these things anymore. Uh, and and I'm, I'm fully confessing, there are a lot of people way smarter than I am that actually are on that side of the fence. So I don't want to disrespect them. I've actually held that viewpoint for a long part of my life, but I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm, that's not what I believe. <laughs> that's not what we believe in this, in this house. Um, you know, we've already tried. We've already talked a little bit about the fact that it really is God's nature to speak. Um, for me, I look at that, and I think when perfection comes, of course, there won't be a need for prophecy or miracles or healing, because when the perfection comes, people won't be sick anymore, people won't be dying anymore, people won't be discouraged anymore. So we won't need prophetic words of encouragement, because there'll be no discouragement. I don't feel like we're at that place. People are still getting sick. People are still dying. And my view of the Lord is such that He's going to do whatever He needs to do to reach people, to encourage people, to save people, to heal people. And He's going to use us to do it. And He's going to give us every tool in the toolbox. Uh, you know, usually when I, when I encounter a passage in Scripture that, that trips me up a little bit, when I'm not sure how to, to interpret it, uh, you know, I have my own personal little series of things that I do. You know, I, I, you know, first of all, I just ask the Holy Spirit, you know, for guidance and how to handle it. Uh, I seek counsel out. Um, I look at human history, all right, world history. And so in this context, we're talking about, you know, gifts and prophetic and whether or not it's still relevant. Can you, if you do any amount of study on any, you know, revivals that have happened throughout history, are any of them not marked with signs and wonders and miraculous things? Not, not that I've seen. 
Not that I've seen. And then I also uh, take some stock of my personal experience. And, and for me, personally, I've seen, enough, <clears throat> I've seen enough people healed. I've seen enough prophetic words given that shook people, that, that encouraged people to their core to believe, you know what? God is doing this. God is in this. But what if you, in wherever you're sitting, ask that same question, what about my personal experience? I have never experienced uh, the miraculous. I've never experienced prophetic. Um, first of all, you have at least once, remember? You know, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you've heard from the Lord. Okay? The Lord has spoken to you. But maybe, you know, you haven't, ex- ex- beyond that, maybe you haven't really experienced that. So let me... Let me uh, encourage you to check out Matt, Matthew uh, 7, 9 through 11. And it talks about, uh, you know, again, how good the father is, that if a child, you know, asks for bread, the father's not going to give him a stone. Ask for fish, he's not going to get a, a snake. We know how to give good gifts. How much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts? And to me, one of the things that I take from that is, man, we have the freedom to ask the Lord. Because even if we don't get the very thing we're asking for, he's not going to give us anything bad. He's not going to harm us. Uh, we, have, we have two daughters. Uh, our oldest daughter, Bo, she's four years old. And she asks for ice cream about 537 times a day. That may be a conservative figure. All day. Breakfast, one ice cream. As soon as she gets home from preschool, I want ice cream. She's probably asking her teachers all day. Uh, she wants ice cream until sometimes even she'll get up in the middle of the night. I want ice cream. Um, you know, she probably, I would say, maybe once a day, we say yes. We give her the ice cream. Sometimes we cheat a little. We freeze a banana and tell her it's ice cream. But we give her ice cream. As far as she knows, it's ice cream. But I tell you what we don't give her. <clears throat> we don't give her a bag of razor blades. We don't give her a snake sandwich. We don't give her, you know, rat poison on her onion rings. We don't give her You should try that sometime actually. It's a delicacy in some countries. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know, we're not going to give her, you know, yeah, maybe we're not going to give her ice cream 500 times a day. Well, actually, we're definitely not going to give her ice cream 500 times a day. We're not going to give her anything that's going to harm her. Right? And, I mean, I think we're pretty good parents, but we're not perfect parents. And if we know not to give Bo a snake sandwich, then I would like to think that our good God in heaven is not going to give us a snake sandwich. So if nothing else... If nothing else, if you're you're not sure what to make of this, if you have some intellectual hurdles here, and you're not sure if this is for today, ask the Lord. Ask Him to speak to you. He's not going to rain, you know, fire down on your head for asking. I tell you, seriously, Bo can't reach the freezer yet, but she can reach the fridge. And there are a lot of times where she just goes and starts helping herself. And you know what? I love it when she asks Sometimes she doesn't ask. <laughs> she just takes. And that's not good. I actually love it when she asks for things, even if I don't have any intention of giving her the things she asks for, because I love the relationship and I love the interaction. 
I love the fact that she acknowledges that I have the authority to give it to her or not. There are so many reasons why it's not just okay, but that it's a good thing to ask the Lord for things. We have the freedom to ask. And to ask boldly and to ask often. The Lord's not one of those parents that gets annoyed because we ask a lot. There's plenty of references in the Bible where the Lord uh, values persistence. Plenty. Um, how many times have we prayed for my hundred? Is the Lord annoyed? No. How many times have we prayed for Bo? Right? Those of you that feel fatigued because you've been asking the Lord for years to do something, the Lord's not annoyed. Keep asking. It's okay. And, and I don't mean to imply that the Lord is playing coy with you, that he's playing keep away with you, and he's just dangling a carrot in front of you. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there's always hope that the kingdom is going to break in. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, God is for us. Man, I lost my place. But that's still true. God is for us. Uh, and yeah, here's a, just a little piece of irony here that, that I think's significant. Um, even though it may not have been your experience, maybe you haven't you know, you know, really uh, heard any teaching on this before. Uh, I actually think that most churches have, do experience the prophetic to some level. I mean, how many churches in our community don't have a pastor that spends you know, part of his week listening to the Lord and then getting up and sharing the thing that he's heard. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they don't know what to call it, but, you know, that's, that's the heart of the prophetic ministry, listening to the Lord, sharing what you hear. That was just a side note. Okay, so I think we can rest assured this is for today, and it's an important part of living life with the Lord. Um, I really do want to get to lab, so... I might. I'm going, to, I'm going to share the rest of this, but I'm going to try not to take all day with the, this last part. Uh, another, another per, like personal obstacle. You know, we doubt ourselves in in, in this same area. Uh, we, sometimes we have to deal, wrestle with a fear of failure. Okay. All right. So maybe you've gotten to the place. Okay. Yeah. God is good. He wants to speak. It's for today. You know, you, you clear those intellectual hurdles, but, man, I'm a mess. What if I screw it up? What if I fail? And so sometimes that fear of failure drives us to, uh, to maybe not move, to, to not take risks, to not step out. And so we need to deal with those. And here's some of the specific fears that we may have. Um, <clears throat> uh, maybe we fear, that, you know, we fear that if we do it wrong, that we could hurt someone. Okay. There's actually, you know, some legitimacy to that. Yeah, if you do it totally wrong, you could hurt someone. But let me tell you, if you if you stay grounded in, in what prophetic ministry is about, uh, look in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the first four verses there, uh, you'll see that the heart of prophetic ministry is to encourage. So if you operate within that framework, then, you know, you're not going to hurt anybody. If you're out to encourage somebody, you're not going to hurt anybody, Right? Uh, so if we just you know grasp a hold of what the 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 root of prophetic ministry is about and what it's for, uh, then you know we can kind of set that fear to the side. Um, and you know if you get a word and you're if you're not sure, I don't know if this is going to encourage that person or you know 
or what? You know, if you're really not sure, just pray about it. And if you really feel compelled, but, you know, I really feel like I'm supposed to share this, but I'm not sure if it's going to encourage them, and you're really torn, get counsel. You know, there's plenty of people in this house that, you know, Adam, Justin, Ray, myself, you know, Hannah, Sarah, you know, any of these people that have walked in prophetic, uh, you know, ask somebody, get some counsel on it. How should I handle this? You know, what should I do with this word? Uh, if you're really concerned about it. Uh, I know that some have some feel concerned about building false hope in someone, and I think this is an interesting thing. You know, I don't want to build false hope. I don't want to get someone's hopes up. Well, first of all, not only is it okay to not use this phrase, we actually encourage you not to use this phrase. When you give a prophetic word, don't conclude it with, thus saith the Lord. It's okay to recognize your own humanity when you're ministering to someone. It's okay to say, you know, I, I think, I feel this is, this is the picture I got. Really, you know, what we need to do is consider ourselves the UPS man, the postman. This is the message. This is for you. You can offer an interpretation if you have one, but ultimately, it's, ultimately it really is between the Lord and, and, and the recipient what to do with, with that word, you know? And so we don't have to, and really most of the time we shouldn't promise a particular guarantee, you know? You can say, you can say I think this is what this means if you have an interpretation. Sometimes you may get a picture, an image, and you may have no idea. That's okay. You don't have to make one up. A lot of times the Lord will speak that right to the person, okay? And also, we're talking about false hope. When we're dealing with the Lord, when we're dealing with Jesus, and we're talking about the Jesus who... You know, cleansed leopards, raised the dead. Is there really such thing as false hope? Does that even exist in the Lord? I'm not talking about a guaranteed result, but is there not always the hope that the kingdom will break in? Yeah, there's always hope that the kingdom can break in. So I don't think we need to spend too much time concerning ourselves with instilling hope. There's a lot worse things you can install in someone's heart than hope. Uh, I know some are concerned about the the presence of the operation of their imagination. You know, I think it's just my imagination. Um, okay, well, what if I tell you right now to think of a uh, a purple tiger? How many of you are visualizing a purple tiger in your head? The rest of you aren't trying hard enough. If you are, you're using your imagination. But did I not play a role in that? Right? The Lord created you. He gave you your imagination. Just because your imagination is at work doesn't mean the Lord's not involved. So I encourage you to not be too quick to assume that some image you get or some dream or some vision or some word, some impression, don't be too quick to assume that it's just your imagination and not the Lord. Most of the time, it's the Lord working in your imagination. Okay? Okay? So that, that's actually okay. Uh, you may be worried. You may have a fear of embarrassing yourself. What if I get it wrong? Well, you know, that one actually could happen. <laughs> you know, we're, we're growing. You know, you're, uh, we, we know in part. We prophesy in part. Uh, sometimes, you know, we'll get the right word, but maybe 
Maybe as it comes out, maybe we'll you know, get it tangled up a little bit. Maybe we'll mix up a detail. Maybe we'll get it wrong sometimes. Chances are people, you know, crowds and crowds of people aren't going to point and laugh at you and throw tomatoes. That could happen. Here's the thing. And we'll come back, you know, we can keep coming back to this all day. If your heart is focused on encouraging that person, then chances are, even if you get the word wrong, it's, it's not going to kill the ministry opportunity. Uh, I know a lot of people who were praying for people and maybe they got one of the words wrong, but, you know, they, they continued to, to dialogue and to encourage and to, you know, and, and to speak, you know, truth over them and still had a great encounter. You know, the Lord showed up, the Lord touched. You know, we may get it wrong sometimes, and that's actually okay. But as long as our heart is really focused on loving the person that we're serving and encouraging them, then, you know, it's actually going to take the focus off ourselves anyway. And it's okay to to laugh at yourself. It's okay to get things wrong a little bit. It would be good to not take it too seriously. Does that make... I, I don't mean don't take person too seriously but don't take yourself too seriously all right uh all right let me hurry here um sometimes we also uh, may feel disqualified we doubt ourselves because we feel disqualified because you know of sin lack of giftedness we compare ourselves to others who are moving really dynamically in this um you know there's no shortage of examples in the bible where the lord used people who didn't have their acts together uh, yeah, sure, there, there may be times in your life if your life is absolutely upside down and, and you're just a complete and total wreck. Yeah, there, there are seasons where maybe our focus doesn't need to be ministering to others but getting, getting healing and, and stuff ourselves. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the notion that you have to have it all completely together in order to be qualified to minister to people, and that's not the case. The Lord wants to use you. Um, has anyone ever heard the story of Balaam's uh, donkey? Right? What? Uh, I didn't actually get that reference. Where is that? Does anybody know off the top of their head? Dr. John? You can, ju- you can just make it up. We won't know the difference. We'll trust you. Third crustaceans. That's where it is. If that's what Dr. John says. Um, Basically, the, the, the story there is that the Lord actually speaks through a donkey, and if that isn't a metaphor, I don't know what is. You can insert whatever slang you want to. Um, if we're concerned about our own lack of giftedness, is there any better story than that right there? The Lord can speak through who or what he wants to speak through. He is absolutely much more concerned about your availability than any natural gifting you feel like you have. Just make yourself available. We don't have to compare ourselves to others. And, you know, you, you, if you made you know, a mistake that day, you know, if you, if you stumbled on something and you, uh, you, your life wasn't perfect that day, it doesn't disqualify you from hearing from the Lord. Yeah? All right. <laughs> Numbers 31.16. Thank you. That's where you can find the story of Balaam. And his donkey. All right. Uh, lastly, um, uh, another obstacle to being effective, you know, in, in the prophetic, 
we, you know, I've hit on, this, on the things that you know, keep us from stepping out into it. What about if we are stepping out into it, what are the pratfalls for those of us that are actually aggressively looking, you know, uh, you know, operating in the prophetic? What can keep us from being effective? And the bottom line here is uh, just really, really uh, take note. Keep the focus on what, on what your motivation is. It has to be 1 Corinthians 13. It has to be. That has to be your motivation. It has to be anchored in love. It, it cannot be about getting spiritual notches on your belt. And, and I'll tell you, um, I'm not the most prophetic person in, in this church. There are certainly you know, the, the people that are operating at you know, much, much higher levels. But I've had some experience, and I can tell you that, that there's been times you know, that I, I give a word, and it, it's a good word, and man, that makes you feel great. And, that, and that's actually okay. It's, it's a good thing to be excited about the fact that, hey, I was just used by the Lord, and I just encouraged someone. But that has to be icing. That has to be just, you know, that, that's just a really nice byproduct. That cannot be our motivation. The pursuit of that, um, of that sensation of, of getting a you know, dynamic word for somebody, the pursuit of that cannot be what drives us into the prophetic ministry. That's actually when you're going to be most in danger of, of hurting someone. Uh, the focus has to be on encouraging and loving the person in front of you. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said the most important things were to love him and love, love others. I think we can trust him in that. And this is a great place to apply that. You want to walk in the prophetic? Love the Lord. Love the person in front of you. And chances are you're going to do okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I know it's getting late. I do want to do a little bit of lab. And so uh, we're going to break in. For those of you who want to stick around, uh, we're going to dismiss in just a minute. And so, you know, if you need to jet, you're welcome to jet. Uh, but we want, to, we want to practice a few things here. And so if you are, you know, a little bit unsure, I encourage you just to, to come on. This is a very safe place, okay? And uh, we're going to try and see if we can, even in just practice, you know, push through a few of these hurdles. And uh, we won't spend all night, but we'll, we'll give it a little, little bit of time here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and pray for us, and then those that, that need to, to move on, you know, Lord bless you. I hope you have a great week. The rest of you, I encourage you to stick around for a little bit because I think the Lord's going to show up and do some, do some neat things, and you'll, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be worth your time if you're able to stick around. So, uh, Jesus, we love you. And we just ask you, Lord, to really penetrate our hearts with the truth of your goodness. We pray that what, you know, if there is anything that's prohibiting us from receiving that truth, Lord, that you would just demolish that very thing. So, Lord, we just say you are good. You can say it if you want to. Lord, you are good. You are so good. And we can even command our hearts to receive that truth. Say, heart, acknowledge the Lord is good. 
And so, Lord, we, we ask. We ask you, Lord, that we would be able to receive anything that you have for us. Lord, help us to hear your voice. Help us to know your voice. And I pray for each person in this room that even throughout this week that there will be a step forward in the prophetic. Jesus, we love you. Bless these households here tonight. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.